Alright, 108. We're back in Shadesmar. Kaladin, Shallan, Adolin. And they're on the Honor Spren vessel. Sill has been locked up, but pretty quickly in this chapter, the rest of them get released from from being locked up with her. And Sill's still locked up. And the the logic they give for letting the the humans go is what? Can you say that one more time? Why did they why did they let the humans walk around the deck and keep Sill in prison? Because she's basically like ancient honor spren or something. She's an ancient one. They talk about ancient spren, ancient daughter with Sil, right? But with the humans, it's just as simple as like they don't have a charge to hold them on, basically. Right. So they said it's not honorable to to keep them. So they don't. They basically don't have a contract to to keep them in prison. So they're not going to. They do have a, a bounty for Sil. So they're going to keep her in prison, but basically they did the "we're going to hold you for forty-eight hours and then let you go" type of thing, because we don't have a contract for you, so we're not going to keep you in prison. It wasn't honorable, so they let them out. They're walking around on the deck, and uh, I think it's Shalon asks, "Well, if we're not prisoners, then then what are we?" And the captain says, well, "I don't know. We'll figure that out when we get in port." But you're not prisoners right now, so. I was gonna say I um yeah the the incentive for keeping Sill right is not just the bounty but like doesn't the ship owner like it's viewed as his like duty or oath to honor right for that yeah um and is this where Kaladin kind of finagles that he kind of is like well my my oath to the to the bondsmith is more relevant because honor's dead so you can get over it <laughs> so yeah this is kind of jumping to the end of the chapter but yes the the captain of the ship turns to kaladin and says well honor's dead so your oath doesn't mean anything and kaladin's like well i already knew that and the captain kind of take a, does a double take of like wait that wasn't a trump card you already knew that he he thought that was going to be like a gotcha for Kaladin. Like, oh, your god's dead. Now what? And Kaladin's like, I don't care. You know, like, so there's some pretty funny banter there. Kaladin kind of learns throughout the chapter, actually, to speak the language of the honor spread. Like, he starts to catch on, oh, these guys are all about oaths and, you know, honor and what you've made a, a promise to. And he kind of learns to couch his arguments in that, you know, frame to the point where he gets to where he's able to say, oh, actually, I'm bound by an oath to protect the bondsmith, you know, and then that comes out. And then then it's like, oh, wow, wait, you're you're supposed to be protecting the the bondsmith that's tied to uh, the Stormfather. Oh, OK, uh, we need to help you then. Like that's right. Kaladin got pretty crafty here, actually, I think. The the dialogue when he mentions Dalinar, well, the captain asks, oh, well, which bondsmith are you, are, are you, do you make an oath to? And Kaladin says, uh, Dalinar Colin. And the, the captain's like, I don't care what his name is. What, wh- who is he bound to? And he's like, oh, uh, the Stormfather? And then the captain's like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold on. Say that again? And then, oh. and then that's when Kaladin starts learning, like, 
wait a minute, I have a leverage point here of I've made an oath to the bondsmith of the Stormfather, a.k.a. the bondsmith of honor, uh, for all intents and purposes, and then the honor friends start listening of like, oh, we should take this guy seriously. I also noticed in their conversations that they have with the honor spren, the reaction that the honor spren have to the fact that they are radiance is like the polar opposite of the reaction we just saw recently from another spren in Shadesmar. So when they when the honor spren realized that they're talking to you know that these are radiance that they've 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 restarted the order of knights radiant basically the the response you get from the honor spren is, oh, we hope that day would never come. We just came from a city where they were kind of talking to just like a random spren, but the spren's reaction was the exact opposite. They were like, oh, finally, we've been waiting for this day to come. Why is the reaction so different? Why are the honor spren so not in favor of this turn of events? And then this other more, I don't know, random spren, I guess I'll say, is excited for it. Is this like a cultural difference? Is this a light eyes versus dark eyes sort of kind of dichotomy going on in Shadesmar? I was intrigued by this. Does this have anything to do with the origin of Syl being the ancient daughter and her being a light eyes of Spren is what she talks to Kaladin about in a previous episode? Like, does that make a, a difference here that she's an ancient spren and the rest of them are honor spren made from the Stormfather as opposed to honor himself? And Syl has used that terminology before, I think maybe even more than once of, hey, I'm kind of a light eyes of among spren or honor spren are the, the light eyes there. So I'm, yeah, maybe honor spren are kind of the beings in power in Shadesmar, and they don't want this turn of events because it's a potential to you know overthrow them. But maybe the the more lower level working class spren are thinking, oh hey, those oppressive honor spren that rule over us. Yeah, it's high time someone came along and you know overthrew them. Like, is that what we're talking about here? I can't really tell yet. honestly wish i had something profound to say about that but i don't but what i do have is something i thought was funny literally just kind of funny with our honor spren um and it's something that i am hoping well um i don't mean to get us too off topic if you haven't something important to add trevor now is your moment if not at the beginning of this chapter which i'm reminded of um our our honor spinner trying to chase down Kaladin. And it's one of those moments that I'd be really excited for Elliot specifically to listen to the audiobook because I thought it was really funny. Just hearing the like really frantic voice in kind of broken English, like, not, sir, please, not. Like, and he's like climbing on the ship or something like that and just causing a bunch of problems. And. I just picture our honor friend just trying to do their jobs. Like they're just trying to, to live a normal life and do their jobs. And here come all these humans that are messing everything up. Most notably, Kaladin is really throwing a wrench into everything. And he's the one who's bonded to an honor friend too, which I think is funny. 
I got the impression from that scene of like, this was kind of a little bit of the old Kaladin back where he's, he's breaking the rules just because there's rules. Like he, Oh, what do you mean? I can't go on that deck. I'm going up on that deck. Like yeah. that's just kind of the like rebellious <laughs> exactly. Kaladin that we've seen it, from it before. Even, it even said like, ah, oh, yes, there are rules, but sometimes for Kaladin yes. rules just don't apply or something like yep. that. Yep. Yeah. That is, so that's actually inner, in inner dialogue of Shallan observing Kaladin and Adolin notices it. So Shallan is kind of admiring Kaladin, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me back up. Uh, what's her name? Vale. Vale is admiring Kaladin. Yep. The reader knows that. Adolin does not. And Adolin goes over to talk to Shallan, and we'll get to this conversation more in a second, but Adolin's like, hey, are you okay? Um, and Shallan says, oh, Shallan will be back in a moment. She needs a second to rest. Talks about herself in the third person. And Adolin's like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what was that? And But Vale is the one on deck here and admiring, like kind of leering is the verb used in the book at Kaladin. And then Adolin goes over to talk to her and Vale says, oh, Shallan will be back in a moment. She needs a second to recover. And then Adolin and Shallan have their heart to heart of, I have, I have Vale who wears the, the, the white hat, the, the hat and, uh, and then I have Radiant who you can talk to her about dueling and, I don't know what Shallan does at this point. I need somebody for light weaving. I'll come up with somebody else for that. And Adolin's like, I just want to talk to Shallan. <laughs> like, I just, who's the real one, you know? Yeah, it's really tender and sweet. She She's like, I'm just like a broken vase. And uh, I almost said Amarim. Not Amarim. Adolin uh, is like, that's just great because I love what's inside and I get to see that even more and all this stuff. And it's really sweet. And it made me feel better too because whenever I see Shallan admiring Kaladin, I'm like, hands off. No. Kaladin, no. Just don't do it. I don't want that to happen. That's I don't want that. So uh, really grateful for Adolin here. Um, and he it is like a genuinely sweet moment between them. Um, and I, I really liked it. Can, can I actually read a portion of that that discussion, that conversation that you're, you're talking about, Paul? Because it actually really stuck out to me as well. I'll I'll jump into it here. It starts with Adolin. It's obvious. I prefer the real you. Well, which one is that, though? She's the one I'm talking to right now. You don't have to hide, Shalon. You don't have to push it down. Maybe the vase is cracked, but that only means it can show it's inside. And I like what's inside. So warm, comfortable, and strikingly unfamiliar. What was this peace, this place, without fear? Like what a what a touching moment there of Shalon, who we've been in we've been in her head for quite a while now. We know the turmoil that goes on in her head as she's bouncing back and forth between identities, as she's trying to hide from the horrific things in her past. And here's here's a moment where she gets to pause and just relax for a second. She doesn't have to worry about what personality am I. She doesn't worry about having to hide from her past. She just gets to kind of say, oh, you like me for who I am, regardless of who that is. And that's just, I don't know, 
touching. Touching is the right word for it. I'm glad you brought that up because I would like to talk for a moment. Adolin's a sweetie. That's all I'll say. I was going to say, I wanted to talk about Adolin here. Okay. Think about our cast of characters that we have. Just for a second. We have Kaladin, who in this chapter, as well as many other chapters, is portrayed as very hot-headed. Like, he, like if you make him upset, he doesn't really care anything about anything else in the moment. Like, he's just upset. Like, he's going to go after you. Shalon has been um, a bit scatterbrained, I guess. Doesn't know who she is at all. Delinor has had a lot of internal turmoil. <sighs> Where else? Zeth, don't get me started. Like, <laughs> they, every, every one of our characters is a mess. Even, like, Renarin, like, we don't hear a peep out of him. Yasna seems, like, kind of prideful and, like, demanding like i don't know but adolin i think adolin went from one of my like just average characters to one of my favorites in like the blink of an eye because i realized i feel like he's the only one with a level head on his shoulders right now like the only one who like isn't doing anything crazy isn't causing any problems and he's also one of our few characters now who isn't a radiant so i don't know maybe the radiants are crazy I was going to say, are those correlated? Maybe, yeah, I was going to say, or maybe you need to be crazy to be a Radiant. Unclear what comes first, the chicken or the egg. But, yeah, I thought, I was like, wow, I think Adolin is like our only sane character right now. That's actually really funny that you say that, because somebody asked Brandon Sanderson, do you need to have a f physical or mental disability to be a Radiant? And... Uh, Brandon Sanderson said no, but I really think that's a funny question. <laughs> that is funny. It, I think the the adjective I'm I'm thinking of is like down to earth. Adolin is by far our most like down to earth character, while everyone else is going nuts trying to figure out who they are, what they're supposed to be doing. Adolin seems to know who he is, and he's he's doing a pretty pretty good job of holding the crew together which is also funny because the same conversation he's like by the way i killed sadius and then there's that thoughts, <laughs> like, thoughts? questions concerns snide remarks like what do we have and uh but also okay on that the only thing i'm going to say about it from like a i don't know third person view is that on the point I just made of Adolin being normal is I feel like that was a very normal-ish thing to do. You could be like, oh, Adolin's crazy, like, spiteful, killed Sadius. But, like, we all we all wanted him to kill Sadius. Like, you know. I didn't, but other than I'm that. Not, I mean, I'm not going to fight it too much. But, like, it is like, okay, yeah, he's, like, kind of a cold-blooded murderer. Um, but other than that, he's our most normal character we have. We'll just look over that part, so. he He's a bit rash. He's a bit impetuous. He's a bit, you know... I think hot-headed you, you mentioned a little bit ago, but mm -hmm. at the same time, he's also fairly most of the time grounded and has it, has it together and is in, in this moment, I think showing that to Shalon where he's reaching out to her in a moment of her weakness and giving her a bedrock to hold on to while at the same time being 
open and honest with her and sharing his deepest, darkest secret. It's a, it's an interesting character scene here. I do think it's notable to mention that Adolin in this conversation specifically says he's not sorry and he would do it again because Sadius was going to backstab Dalinar and he knew it. And Adolin thinks Dalinar would still be disappointed in him, which I think he would be. And Shallan says, yeah, your dad's a great guy, but what he doesn't know won't hurt him. <laughs> so you go, you, you, you did what needed to be done. I'm proud of you. I like, and yeah, that's kind of how the scene ends there. And Shallan definitely takes Adolin's side there, which I'm not surprised. Shallan is, has never been a, a black and white person. She's very much, a, there's lots of gray areas and, I'll I'll definitely stand by what I originally said 25 episodes or 30 episodes ago when we talked about this and that I think Adolin did the wrong thing in that moment. I like that he killed Sadius. I don't like that he knifed him in a back alley. I, I would rather him fight him man to man in a more honorable way. And I'll 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 stand by that, but Shalon is definitely on on the train of yep, that was the right decision. I'm realizing how much happens in chapter 108 because we still have talked about talk Azure. A bit. Oh, that wasn't even what I was going to say. I was going to talk about Kaladin almost having his fourth ideal. Oh, yes. Of, and he can hear Syl in his head, even in the cognitive realm. And Syl's like, You're close, Kaladin. You're almost there. Talking about the fourth ideal. And it's, I thought it was kind of funny imagery in, in my mind, uh, but also really cool. That is a good that is a good point actually. We'll, we should talk about this for a second. Book 1. We had ideal 1 about halfway through the book of life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. We had ideal 2 at the end of book 1 uh when he's jumping across the chasm uh to save Dalinar. We had ideal 3 at the end of Words of Radiance for Kaladin of I will protect those I hate. It is right to do so. Right. I will protect those who cannot protect themselves, even if it's someone I hate or something like that. Um, and we're in book three. We're approaching the end of book three. Are we getting ideal four from Kaladin? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. I also think yes. And based on this chapter where Syl says you're close. And but that being said, I tried to sit down for a little bit and spend some time thinking about like trying to predict what the fourth ideal for him is going to revolve around. You're not alone. And but keep going. <laughs> People do this all the time with a lot of characters. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. And so I tried to do that a little bit myself, but I I kind of hit a dead end. I couldn't come up with anything clever. The the previous ones all revolved around a struggle that he was having. Like I'm thinking specifically of the third ideal where he knows that he needs to protect Elokar, but he doesn't want to. So that whole dilemma of, do I protect someone who is my enemy, who I don't like, I don't agree with, do I protect him? That one you could kind of see coming. Or if I had gone back and put some brain power into it, I probably could have. But I'm trying to think about where Kaladin is right now and what he's dealing with now. What is he going to have to face to get to his fourth? Because Syl says he's close. 
but I couldn't quite put the pieces together enough. I'm not quite sure what he's dealing with now is, is as straightforward as it was previously. And I'm sure it's going to be obvious when we see it, but I, I couldn't really come up with anything. Uh, my, I mean, in my head, it has to be something with defending Dalinar, but I don't know how you'd make that into a ideal. Right. I will save my friend. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Azure and we can jump to 110 with this as well. Azure is not in the same... Okay, she is in the same boat, literally, as <laughs> Adolin, Shallan, yes. and Kaladin, but she barters for her own passage via information about her Shardblade. Her Shardblade came with her into Shadesmar and is not a Spren. And the Honor Spren on board ask her, how did you do this? And she says, I will tell you, once I'm freed in port. And they said, cool. Sounds good. We'll do that. And notably, Kaladin gets kind of upset about that. Like, we're not, we're not even getting that far. Why are you talking about that? And Azure says, well, I'm getting that far. I'm going to the perpendicularity in the Horn Eater Peaks. You can do whatever you want. And that's what happens in 110 is they're making their escape in quotes. I mean, they're the honor spread are basically letting them go. And along with Syl and Azure has a couple parting words, which we'll talk about here in a second, but um, she barters with the honor spread about information about her shard blade. What were you guys' thoughts on this? So the sprint are about as confused as we are as to like why does she still have her shard blade in the cognitive realm? Isn't that not supposed to be a thing? So the sprint don't even know. So I'm assuming I shouldn't even know. <laughs> Case closed. I I can see why it's of interest to the sprint though, because for them, when a human wields a shard blade. You know, the Spren view it as, oh, you're swinging around the dead body of my my buddy. And they have a problem with that. They've kind of like accepted it, it seems like where they're that there's been a couple of conversations where they're like, I get it for practicality's sake. You can do powerful things with the dead body of my buddy, but you need to realize that you're swinging around a dead body. They've got problems with it. If you could do those things without the potential moral problems of how it impacts a spren that'd be really attractive to the spren in particular of hey if you can wield shard blades without having to kill spren great let's do that so i can see why they're interested this scene actually took me in a different direction though we've theorized or maybe i've theorized that azure is potentially vivena from warbreaker warbreaker spoilers and this actually added another name to my potential list, though. This might be Vivenna, but I remembered in Warbreaker, they talk about someone who created Nightblood, and it wasn't Vivenna, and it wasn't Vasher. It was someone else, and I don't remember the name. But it, I think it was even a female. Now I'm guessing, but I think it was a, a, a female, different person. So if, if this if is talking about... 
Thank you. So, but bottom line, this might actually not be Vavena. This could actually potentially be Shashara. If she's talking about, oh yeah, this is my Shardblade and I created it. I'm not sure that's explicit in this, but maybe a little bit implied. Maybe we're not talking about Vavena. We're talking about someone else. Theory. Modification to my existing theory. But as we're leaving 110, she, uh, as a side note, she talks to Adolin and Kaladin and says, oh, that guy that taught you that kata? Say hi to him for me. And Adolin kind of turns around and is like, you know Zyle? And she says, oh, yeah, we're old buddies. So I, I got to say, I got really excited when I saw that. And it was actually... That line was at the bottom of a of one of the pages, and I actually minorly spoiled myself on that that line because I was actually I was like trying to flip to where I was in my book when I was like maybe two chapters before this, and I just happened to see you know Zile at the very bottom of a page, like as I was skimming to try and get to him, I was like ah dang it, but it was only like you know two chapters I had to wait before I actually got to that moment, but I got really excited when I read that because that like ninety nine percent confirms that Zyle has to be Vasher. Zyle has to be Vasher at this point. And I'm also very convinced that I think we're dealing with Vivenna. I just said that we, you know, I added another name to my my theory of that might be, she might be Shashara. I'm holding on to that, but I I really am on, fully on board the train of this is now Vivenna and Vasher. If it, I think this is true. If it modifies your theory at all, during the time of Warbreaker, Shashara is dead if that changes your theory at all. But in Warbreaker, Probably. people die and come back. So, you know, you know, dead is all, you know, in quotes or whatever. True. It's like, yeah, he took a nap. Like, went to went to sleep one night, by the way. Sill's been dead and come back, so, yeah. Yeah, our heralds. For sure. So, Azure's, this whole, this whole time, our, our motive for Azure is, oh, she's looking for a criminal. And... Right at the end here, off the cuff, she mentions Nightblood. She mentions Zyle. But she also mentions Zyle in that it's kind of in the context of I know where he is and I'm not really looking for him. You know, like that's not who I'm after. Because if if she knew who Zyle was and she's looking for this person and she's in Kolinar, she's not in the right spot and she knows that, right? Like, but she does say I'm looking for him, but she could also be looking for more than one person. She also mentions Nightblood, and Nightblood could be who she's looking for with her criminal, in quotes. So, do with that what you will. I got that impression, too, from this chapter of it does not seem now like Zyle is who she's hunting. Nightblood, however does seem like who she's hunting. Which then brings up the question, why does she think he's a criminal? He just wants to destroy evil. That's all he wants to do ever. I mean, right? Uh, he's clearly got blood on his blade. Knight? He, he's, he's, yeah, blood he, on his knight. That's what <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. He, he clearly has killed 
probably a lot of people in his past. So I'm, I'm sure that's part of why he's a criminal, but is there something specific that he did or someone did with him and then fled with him or something like that? And that's why Azure, Vivena, whoever this is, is, is here to track him down. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, what are they going to do? Put a sword in jail? Like, he's <laughs> right still there. He'd be fine, you know. How, how do you even destroy like a, a sword like that? You know, throw it in a mountain doom or like, how do you even you do destroy that? Destroy you first. True. You get, I would not want to fight Nightblood, honestly. Another little nugget in this chapter. It, it, if we needed any more evidence to drive home the Warbreaker connection here, Azure has an interesting little comment to one of the sailors. As they're like about to bail on the ship, we, Azure kind of lets drop, nope, I'm staying. And then she turns to a sailor and says, have your sailors been cutting those bales of cloth into the shapes I requested? And my first thought when I read that was, like decoys or something? Are they like, you know, cutting, you know, a bunch of cloth into the shape of humans to fool the the fused or whatever that's chasing them? But then I had a thought. What if it has nothing to do with decoys and everything to do with the abilities that we've seen breath used to do in the past, where they take the cloth and bring it to life? I don't remember. What was that called? I could not remember for the life of me what that power was called. That's you guys remember? A question right I don't. There. I don't remember I don't off know. the top of my head. There was a specific of like you know when you when you send your breath into an inanimate object, bringing it to life basically, and being able to control it. We saw that used as a weapon before in Warbreaker. Is that what Azure is preparing to do here? Did she just ask the soldiers, "Hey, go cut me a bunch of strips of cloth because I'm going to use them to you know." form like that we almost saw like an exoskeleton sort of thing i think happening in warbreaker breaker or use them as weapons to defend a ship it's just it's called a command, command. Uh, it, it's he it, they're commanding when he takes the okay, the okay. rabid squirrel and makes it run around the palace <laughs> is that what you're talking about yeah and, and there's a couple instances where they do it with cloth i remember yep. those very specifically so I, i'm wondering if this is a reference to that yeah, the, the verb you're looking for is command. So if we need any more reason to think that this was a person from the Warbreaker world, here it is. All right, but that, that was one all I... sold me. I think this person's from Warbreaker. <laughs> that one, specifically. Done. Wow. But that was all I had from Chapter 110. They have a pretty... Pretty interesting little escape plan, which is actually kind of cool, where they dive into the beads and they kind of chill out at the bottom of the ocean for a few hours while the fuse pass overhead or something like that. It was, that was a good, clever idea. They lose Syl, but they're like, eh, she'll be fine. She's, she's, she doesn't need to breathe. She'll be fine. Yeah, I think, thought it was funny. Pattern was like, yeah, Sprint don't need air. Like, she'll just be okay. While we're talking about pattern real quick, there's just a funny joke of Sanderson where Shalon is talking to pattern. It's like, man, what an odd group we are. Or no, Adolin's talking to pattern. It's like, oh man, what an odd group we are. And pattern's like, like hmm, yes, seven. That is odd. Yeah. And then it just moves on. And you're like, ah, I, I heard that. Too. Funny. I thought, 
I thought that was hilarious. More funny than I should have thought. Anything else on 110? All right, back to 109 before we close the episode. Dalinar is trying to talk to the leader of the Voidbringer army. He doesn't know who that is. He doesn't know to what capacity they can command or whatever. But he asks the Stormfather, is there a general on the enemy team on the enemy team besides Odiums that I could talk to, that I could like parley with? And the Stormfather's like, I don't know. But i I see this envoy lady who's talking to a bunch of people. Maybe I could connect you with her. He's like, great, sure. We'll choose her and we'll we'll have a we'll, we'll have a talk. They go into the Noadon vision and uh Venley gets pulled in and she's who Dalinar usually is when uh Dalinar gets pulled into this vision. Dalinar is a random bodyguard. And Dalinar comes running up to fake Noadon and says, Oh, there's there's an emergency in the palace. Please go see it to it. And fake Noadon's like What? That's not what's supposed to happen here. This is a scene. This is a movie. Hello? And then he <laughs> he, he leaves. And then they have their conversation pretty really quick. And Venli is having none of it. Dalinar's like, please, can we negotiate? Can we like split Kolinar? Can we div- divvy up Roshar? And we- you can live over here. We can live over there. And Venli says, yeah, of course you want to talk now. We just took over Kolinar. We don't need to talk to you. We've got the upper hand. So go away, please, or send me away, please. I don't even know where I am. So that's how the that's how the first half of this chapter goes. What would you, what did you guys think of Venli and Dalinar having their first conversation? I I know I found it interesting. I also know that Odium did not find it interesting, and he he was not a fan of what was what was going down there. I think the Dalinar Venli interaction went down about what I was expecting it. You know, we know that Venli's having some doubts, but we also know that she's very much under the thumb of Odium. She she very much is is helpless in under the power of of Odium. So yeah, she she's not really willing to to hear much. So that that was about as expected. But the the raw power of Odium again is just crazy. Like like you said, Elliot, I, I agree that the conversation was kind of what you'd expect, right? Venli has watched her people fight and honestly just get destroyed and stuff for for years, for years, and is like, what, like, how how dare you tr- try to reason with me? Like, it's just kind of crazy, but. There is one thing that I thought was like a redeeming thing that could be a breakthrough later on. Um, so continuing on, Delinar had asked the Stormfather, like, oh, can you hold Odium off right while I enter this vision? And the Stormfather's like, no. <laughs> I'll I'll try. Um, so newsflash, Odium uh breaks in to the vision kind of just tears the whole thing apart and it says the ground i'm paraphrasing all of this but it, the ground kind of tears apart and dalinar kind of like slides down I, I caught this on my most recent read through dalinar kind of slides down to venli as she's falling and 
like basically like puts his hand on her and says go i believe and then she kind of like poofs out of the the vision um and then it hops back to dalinar and we see him like tormented like or at least for a while like he's kind of just ripped apart like literally ripped to pieces and burnt up like very I, be- I believe it describes it as fluid pain he swam yeah. in fluid pain yeah and not fun either way for dalinar there um but right before that he kind of gave a notion of let me sh- show you or let me prove to you that I'm a man of my word, or that we can work this out, or that I mean what I'm saying. I'm not just like trying to to screw you over or something. So he does that, and that was just like a really honorable, like I don't know, kind of self sacrificial thing that he did to kind of help Vinley there, which is the only thing that I thought quote went well. I don't, I don't know. That was just a detail well, I noticed that Vinley could be like he. I mean, it was a vision. So it's not that deep, I guess. I don't know. That was just something I noticed that I was like, that wasn't really honorable and like kind of sacrificial thing that he like kicked her out of the vision before Odium destroyed everything, I guess. The This this meeting was kind of doomed from the start, because Venley is in the mindset of even if I did want to talk to you, which I don't, but even if I did, I can't. Because Odium is going to come knocking and kill me, basically. And, oh, look, here he is, and he's going to come kill me. So uh, so she walks She walks out on the balcony, and the image that's in this... The, the image that's in the vision, is it's described as a canvas, and Odium just basically breaks the sky and the canvas that is the painting of the vision, and he bursts in and disrupts the party literally tearing bricks apart and but Dalinar notably being a bondsmith holds the stones together so that's kind of cool that's, that was so Fenley doesn't fall into the the pain pool I I thought Dalinar's little showdown with, with Odium was very cool and Totally understanding he's got the backup or the support of the Stormfather, but Dalinar actually seems to hold out against Odium, at least in a small capacity. And that, that even just that little bit actually is enough to bring a little bit of hope here. It seems like what we've seen so far of Odium is that he's just so powerful. He's so immensely powerful, more than the Stormfather, more than anything we've seen. And yet... And yet, under the the onslaught of all that power, Dalinar can actually hold out for a little bit of time. And Venley sees this. Venley notices this and actually like tries to get to him while the whole world is just disintegrating. And I think that moment may be important later. If if the world is falling apart and Odium is is just wrecking everything, we already know that Venley doesn't like Odium. But if Venley's faced with a choice between, you know, Odium and, and Dalinar, she might just think about choosing Dalinar now that she's seen that he's got at least a little bit of power. At least that's where I'm maybe I'm grasping onto straws and trying to find some hope for our heroes against this this force that is Odium. But there was a little bit of hope in this in this very destructive scene for me. 
any closing thoughts on 109 or the rest of the episode? Uh, the last image we get is, or that I remember, is Vinley is kind of clutching her spread in her hand. Timber. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. We got, you know, some spread hanging out. But I, I'm curious to hear what she has to think about this situation and what Timber has to think or say about this. All right. With that, we can close this episode and keep reading. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. And next week, we will be ending part four of Oathbringer. So I'll look All forward right. to that, and we will reconvene next week. Keep reading indeed. Let's go.